Hello and welcome to The Loudmouth. I'm your host Stuart Simpson and today we're going to talk a bit about using comedy to give brands a boost. With me is Charlie Parker, who's directed several comedic ads and he's also worked on sketches for the BBC. Thanks Charlie for joining me today. Would you mind telling us a bit about yourself? I'm a comedy director, um, formerly a sort of director-producer. Uh, I've been at this for about 10 years now. My journey has sort of taken me uh, Back in university, I started a production company, which is sort of, um, back then it wasn't really a business. It was more of a, a collaborative project with a, a bunch of other filmmakers who wanted to make uh, fun stuff together. Was it film that you were studying? Yeah, it was a photography and film. Um, so, yeah, pretty relevant to what I ended up moving into. Yeah, and uh, I think the first thing we started making was uh, sketches, comedy sketches. Um I think it was something to do with the sort of practicality of making a sketch is um, it's kind of easy to do in in comparison to the other stuff you can make when you're you're a, uh, a film student. Um, you know, we occasionally work on a short film, but that takes so much longer and and so much more more energy. Whereas the beauty of a comedy sketch is you could sort of write it in the morning and film it in the evening if you really wanted to. Um, so yeah, that's the, we we kind of naturally found ourselves drawn towards those, and I think we just we all had this sort of habit of trying to make each other laugh. It was just in our sort of nature. We were all sort of like people who enjoy having a laugh and and sort of making each other laugh and and, and all the rest. And I I guess that sort of blended into our our filmmaking process. Um, and what we liked to do was entertain people. So. Uh, yeah, we started showing that off in what we were making as well. How did that develop then? Did you stay on the sketch side or did you start to drift towards the advertising side? The problem with making sketches when you're just starting off is they don't make money. So yes. <laughs> they don't pay the bills. So um, definitely fairly quickly uh, realized that concept of, you know, paying bills still, still exists. So um, we we sort of moved on. Um, the the group I had at the start sort of disbanded and went our separate ways because we can feed everybody. Um, and I started focusing more on the business side of things instead. That's when I ended up becoming more of a producer at the time. Um, yeah. Just to, to sort of make a start for myself. Um, working with uh, friends of mine who'd sort of turned in director, into directors, uh, I worked more as the sort of producer-director. Um, and yeah, we started working on advertising for small businesses, medium-sized businesses. It was all stuff we'd find ourselves. Um, we weren't working for other production companies at the time. Um, it was all stuff that we'd sort of homegrown and and found ourselves and made for ourselves uh, and, and for the clients that we found. And did you have a comedy focus at this stage or was it more sort of traditional advertising kind of feel? It was traditional, but I, I think I always had a bit of an agenda uh, when I was talking to clients and I, I did always try and push the the sort of fun narrative if it made sense for that brand. Uh, and sometimes uh, sometimes they were on board. Sometimes they uh, they were the, the opposite. They, they didn't see the, the appeal of uh, making people laugh, which I found very strange. <laughs> How did you start doing comedy ads then? Along the way, along the sort of like, uh, I guess, career journey that I had, um, living in Edinburgh, we've got a really important uh, event in August that we all know off uh, the fringe. Um, yes. So I think, I guess one of the things we discussed in the early days was uh, 
having talent attached to your projects is how you get seen. Uh, and we thought the easiest way to access talent was the fringe because it's kind of like the world comes to to us all of a sudden. Um, so uh, we made quite valiant efforts to get involved with the fringe scene um, and to some, some success as well. I became a bit of a sort of run and gun shooter for uh, various comedians where I would shoot their live shows. I would um, shoot sketches that they had written uh, and in some cases have, have co-written with them as well. Um, so yeah, that, that, that paid off, I'd say. Um, and I, I managed to get to watch some of the masters at work, I guess. Um, and I got a lot of inspiration and sort of learned the, I, I'd say I'd, I'd learned how to do, um, how to write the comedy more professionally. Right. Uh, because before that, it's just kind of, you're taking a stab in the dark at what you think is funny. Um, whereas when you've sat and watched so many different stand-ups doing their thing and sort of sat in the room with them whilst they're writing their ideas and things, you start to realize the, the sort of craft that goes into making jokes. And it's not just, you know, randomly trying to make people laugh. There is a, almost like a, a sort of design and a blueprint to, to comedy as well. Uh, and it's the same with sketches. Um, and after all of that work with them, uh, I found, uh, I got to a point where I wanted to start doing it myself, uh, for myself and sort of make me the name, uh, rather than just sort of shooting for, uh, other people. Um, so I wanted to, you know, convey my own sense of humor and start writing sketches that were true to me and what I found funny. Uh, but with the, the stuff that I'd learned from these sort of, you know, uh, professional acts who are yeah. at the top of their game and uh, started applying the sort of formulas I'd learned from them. And yeah, I, I found it turned my comedy into less of a, you know, students making people laugh to this is professional now. This is, you know, this is a well-crafted sketch and uh, I know how to sort of use comedy beats and when to make it funny, when to have a, have a break, when to make it funny again, that sort of stuff. So what is your approach then? Uh, as a sort of comedy director, are you one of these people that's like the script is king? Uh, are you a bit more improv-y in the way that you approach a, a, a sketch? What's your what's your approach? So it highly relies on who I'm working with, who's in front of the camera. Because um, right. I've I've made comedy with uh, with actors who have no comedy experience. I've worked with uh, non-actors, not, you know, someone who's just not been in front of the ca camera uh, doing comedy. Um, and comedians, uh, comedians are by far, obviously the, the easiest to work with when you're doing comedy, cause they know how to make things funny. Um, and they tend to be better at the improv side of things. So, uh, with some sketches, it depends purely on the style of sketch that I'm trying to make or whatever it is. It, it doesn't have to be a sketch, but, um, yeah, it kind of depends on. Uh, so if uh, I made a sitcom once, for example, with that, it was really important to uh, include certain beats of the script because you were storytelling at the same time. And it's like, if you miss this line, you've kind of get to story element. So yeah. uh, in some cases, it's like st stick with the script. And then in other cases, uh, when I'm writing sketches, for example, there are some sketches where I know the general sort of... Uh, the idea and the outcome of the sketch but the jokes i've written i'm like these could be 
you know, this, these, you see these lines here, they could be anything. And sometimes yeah. I will literally just tr try different lines on the day. Uh, if I'm working with someone who's more experienced, either an actor or a comedian, I'll let them contribute as well. Uh, we had a system, uh, which I still use, and I think it's really important for comedy is one for me, one for you. Yeah. Uh, and the one for me is being the, do it to the script. Cause we wrote that script like that for a reason. Yeah. Just in case we miss something important because we get carried away on set. And then the one for you is go ahead and improvise. Uh, if you have an idea, throw it in, uh, let's shoot a second take and you add your own jokes in, uh, and quite often the imp improvisation works because like, I think when you're there and you guys are sort of, you're making comedy together, like, and if you get each other's sense of humor, I think you bounce off each other quite organically. And sometimes you come up with something funnier. Uh, it's sort of like having a brainstorming session whilst filming. Uh, and you'll, you'll sort of, I think sometimes it's a learning process as well, because you'll write a sketch with, with one point in mind, which is, you know, I want to get to this punchline. But sometimes when you're shooting a sketch, you sort of understand there's something funnier about the character that you didn't quite investigate whilst you're writing it because you're just getting to the end of the, you're just writing a quick sketch. And then once you've seen them playing it, you're like, actually, I'm starting to understand who this character is. And you start to come up with other ideas that this character is probably going to do. So you end up uh, adding little extra bits to the sketch, which is, is always quite fun as well. Is it more important for a crew to sort of gel for a comedy kind of shoot, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, sometimes I, uh, when I'm working on these things, I, I quite like co-directing. Uh, so I'll co-direct a lot with a guy called Jack Fox. Uh, me and him get get each other's humor. Uh, and one of the things we always say when we're on set is if the crew burst out laughing, laughing after you say cut, it means it's working. Yeah. Uh, if it's dead silence, then <laughs> review, <laughs> review the joke. Disaster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and quite often it is the case when we're making sketches, it's a like a really fun day for everyone because everyone is laughing after the end of end of the uh, take. Um, and that means it's, you know, if it can make everyone in here laugh, that gives us a better chance of making everyone out there laugh. Uh, and if no one's laughing, it's probably because you're at the end of the shooting day and everyone's tired or, <laughs> or, the, or the comedy's not working. What impact do you think that comedy can have on advertising? I genuinely believe comedy is one-off if not the most effective form of advertising because um, I think it's um, I think it makes an, an, a commercial incredibly memorable um, and I always think of uh, if I'm having this sort I've had conversations like this with people before and usually when I discuss it with them I'll be like alright think back to when we were younger it's like what adverts do you remember uh, one that always pops up in my head is the tango adverts Um and I think they were ridiculous. They were funny, but they were also ridiculous and highly conceptual. They, there was the one with the guy clapping the ears, which eventually got banned. Uh, yes. You know when you have been tangled. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's uh, that's sort of stuck in our head. And I think, what, first advert was out in the 90s? Must have been, yeah. From that campaign and then maybe a few in the noughties. But um, that stuck that stuck in my head for a reason. And I think it's because it made me laugh and it made me want to rewatch the advert. Uh, I think that's the importance with comedy is someone, if someone enjoys it and it brings out those sort of like, you know, uh, it makes you laugh. It brings out those endorphins that make you enjoy life a bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you, um, uh, in some cases you want to watch it again. And, uh, in today's day and age with social media, I find the, the sort of funny adverts will, will tend to get shared. Um, 
and people will share it with their friends and things like that, which is something you wouldn't do if it was like a, you know, really ordinary like dental advert or something like that where it's really serious and it's just talking heads. Um, I've, you know, seen a million of those. I've seen a million shaving adverts, for example. In fact, shaving adver adverts is probably a really good comparison because um, you've got your sort of uh, bog standard Gillette adverts, which have been almost the same advert forever, um, just with a different face. <laughs> Um, I couldn't tell you what it was in the nineties. I, I wouldn't remember any of those, um, or the noughties or like, I probably couldn't remember the one that came I out. Do, I do remember the jingle, the best a man can get. Yeah. Yeah. I don't okay. use that anymore, but I remember the jingle. That's useful. Uh, I just remember a lot of fancy graphics with blades, uh, which are <laughs> more always, blades, <laughs> always improving somehow. Um, however, there is a company called dollar shave club. Uh, and they released a comedy advert and it's a guy talking to camera, walking and talking, and he's just doing the most ridiculous things. There's like a guy in a teddy bear suit and he like chops a bit of tape with a machete and he has this like worker who's quite funny. The entire thing is hilarious and the, the ad went viral on YouTube. Um, and I've, I've been shown it a few times by clients going, oh, I want something like this. Um, that's a commercial where I remember it completely and I'll always remember it because it was you know hilarious and it was about the exact same sort of product that you know Gillette are selling so I think that's almost like a side-by-side -side comparison of you know an advert that's quite generic and forgettable and one that sticks with you and I think st stuck with me because it uh, it challenged me a bit it challenged my my sort of intellect in a way that made me think and go oh I can't believe a you know such a serious brand has done something like this like this is you know out of their you wouldn't expect them to do that, and that's what made it more funny. Um, so yeah, I think I think comedy is incredibly important for for advertising. I mean, what would you say to someone that says it's it, doing comedy will make people take a brand less seriously than you know some? Because obviously, it wouldn't necessarily fit for every brand unless mm -hmm. you think any brand could do comedy. No, I uh, I'd agree with them. Um, it doesn't comedy doesn't like serve every brand completely because it always um it depends on their target audience i guess and yeah. what they're offering uh it's mostly like trust-based companies i think where um one example i would say is probably banking um although there is currently a bank of scotland advert with Susie cowman yeah that's true uh and she's a comedian but i would say they use humor in those adverts but very very light humor it's like used quite tastefully Whereas yeah. if you were to watch Susie Kalman's stand up, her comedy goes much further. <laughs> so yeah, um, well Susan rather, um, but uh, generally speaking, with you say like bank banking in general, uh, they I imagine their customers are often quite anxious about the service that they provide because they're holding all their money. Um, so for them to sort of go really heavy on the comedy might might come across as they're not taking it seriously and they are definitely a, a brand and a, and a service in people's lives that need to act like that you know we've got this we're professional we've we will look after this for you um so i'd say in the, in the case of those kind of services i can totally understand why uh comedy wouldn't work for them um because it, yeah, it's it, and I guess healthcare as well. Like, is there anything that makes you anxious? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> like, sometimes comedy can work in those situations, but sometimes it can make it look like you don't care, uh, which is which is the the way you don't 
don't want to go. But um, on that note, I would say that does that that applies to certain uh, industries um, services. But uh, generally speaking, I I say comedy could work for most uh, other companies if they're selling products. Uh, for example, I think any any product selling company could use comedy, but quite a lot avoid it still. Um, and I think that's just fear of uh, being controversial and fear of doing something um, that they don't know will work. Right. It's that sort of catch-22. If they've not seen it work before, they, they don't believe it will work. And they, But at the same time, they want something new and that stands out from everyone else, but they're not willing to try it. Yeah, a lot of advertising can play it safe. Yeah. Brands worry about the effect on their audience. But um, yeah. But you think comedy can sort of elevate a brand and turn it into maybe like a powerhouse, basically. It can really give a brand more. Yeah, I'd, I I think we, what works with comedy is it turns the advertising process into something that's more voluntary for the viewer. Because um, quite often they're trying to wedge something down your throat and you're just like, ah, oh, I stop trying to sell me stuff you know it's the usual yeah. like when people are watching youtube videos today it's like skip ad is like you know they're trying to click it as soon as it comes up um how often do you think someone sits there and actually goes hi oh, actually this is pretty good and watches the, the whole advert um and i and i bet you that's you know that'll be in two scenarios it'll be one where they they were already looking at the product and they just want to see what what the new one offers I think the other will be if it's funny. I think it'll be if it's a sketch and they they just got hooked into a story that's that's happening before they hit skip. Um, and also, like again, it comes to like modern day era. Like as soon as it's um, as soon as something's funny, uh, people are more likely to voluntarily voluntarily watch it again uh, and voluntarily share it with their friends. Um, I think. Uh, an example that kind of suits this um, this sort of uh, question is that they're not always funny, but a lot of them are those Christmas adverts. Right. Um, they get shared all the time. It's, it's almost like an event when yeah. the Christmas ads come out. A lot of them are sad, but they're presented like little films. Uh, but there's occasionally funny ones. I remember like the the Audi ones are always funny, and and people love it. They they start sharing it around and 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 sending it around. Um, another example that I thought of was, um, the, now this was funny by accident. Sometimes funny by accident works really well. Uh, it was, um, it was this ridiculous advert. It was a, it was a small promo video for a small business up in Dundee, I think. And it was for a letting agency and it was bizarre. It was almost like a, a sort of militant, uh, ad where all the, letting agents were out in force like marching and like waving at the camera and things like that it was it was just the most bizarre thing uh but that went viral uh and it was just for a little uh i, I think it was relatively small uh letting agent in um, dundee that video went viral because everyone was sharing it because it was hilarious uh right. but it wasn't meant to be <laughs> but but that's the thing is people voluntarily watching this ad but people in america don't have anything to do with this business <laughs> Um, and I imagine that just the, the brand awareness must have just shot through the roof, whether or not yeah. it was a sort of controversial ad, people still were absorbing the brand and watching it over and over again. Yeah. Um, 
So sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, uh, it, it, it can work in people's uh, favor. But um, I think one of the important things that uh, when I, if I'm if I'm talking to a client about it, um, I think one of the important things that comedy can bring to your audience is it's almost like saying, relax, you can be yourself. Um, because it's like, uh, if the brand's not taking themselves too seriously, uh, it almost feels like they're having more of a conversation with you than instructing you to buy their stuff. Um, it's more like we're willing to have a laugh with you. Uh, yeah. and you get, I think you get a manner of respect out of that. I think, um, Iron Brew is really good at that. Uh, they always, they've always had funny adverts. I've always loved them. Um, and I kind of respect the brand a bit more. I'm not actually an Iron Brew fan in terms of drinking it, but uh, I, I respect respect the brand in general because they, their adverts are great and always have was since I was a kid. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, like comp- modern day companies like uh, I don't know about ad- the actual advertising, but their their products labeling and stuff, Brewdog, are, are quite funny. They've got a vodka brand now just called Not Beer. Uh, and they've got stuff like that. They've, they they use humor in their advertising, and I, you know, I remember that stuff more and sort of respect the brand a bit more because they they're a bit more relaxed about themselves. They don't take themselves too seriously, and that make, makes me feel a bit more like, oh, that's cool. I enjoy that. Yeah. So it's almost like a brand is willing to use comedy. It's the ultimate way of being friendly to a, to a target audience is to show you, you know, you can put you you have a sense of humor. Everyone wants to know yeah. someone that has a sense of humor. Yeah, I think I think that's that's the case, and I think if someone's able to laugh at themselves, it's almost like a sign of honesty. Um, because you know, sometimes if uh, commercial advertising is just overly corporate, it's almost like they have so much to hide that they are <laughs> <laughs> making sure you only hear this one message and make sure you listen to that one thing. But with comedy, it's kind of like we've got nothing to hide. We can make fun of ourselves. Um, we're just here to have a good time. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to buy our stuff? <laughs> if not, no worries. <laughs> it kind of feels a little less forced upon you. If we can just look at sort of what you've worked on then, and because I mean, you've not mentioned many of your own projects that you've worked on uh, up to now. I mean, what what have you worked on that you think has really worked from a comedy perspective? One of the ones that I uh, I, I like to bring up a lot is um, it's local to Edinburgh, so Edinburgh people will know it. Uh, not sure if people outside of Edinburgh will. Um, it's called Bros Bagels, um, and it's just like it's been a nice example of how a small business can absolutely like they they have become a powerhouse. Um, and uh, I would argue that the advertising played a, a big part in it. The uh, person who runs it, Lara Bros, she uh, was a comedian. Uh, I knew her from my comedy circuit work. Uh, and when I saw her place open up, um, Bros Bagels, I got told about it. Someone was like, oh, someone's doing New York style bagels. And I saw the name and I was like, I wonder if that's connected to the uh, Lara Bros I know. Um, and then I found out it, it was and I reached out to her and I was like, do you want to... Um, in fact, my first ad was was for free. I just wanted catering for one of my short films. Right. <laughs> but I'll do you a trade uh, just because we knew each other. Um, Are the bagels that good? Yeah, they're great. They, to be fair, the product sells itself. But right, uh, I think uh, it's one of those. Once you've tried it, you you keep going back. But um, the advertising definitely makes everyone aware it's there. Yeah. Uh, so they do go and try it. So the focus for this one is much more on brand awareness than it is. 
selling. Yeah, yeah, it is because uh, one of our one of our little secret rules in um, the ad campaign we've been doing, we've been doing basically like a monthly video for like three years now. What? Uh, and the first one really just blew up. It got something like fifty thousand views, and this is you know back then it was a place with like two shops, um, so it was a relatively small business with not a huge following on social media. But after that, it just started. Uh, generating so much social media traffic, which just made it so much easier to, you know, put eagles in front of people's faces every day. So the um, yeah, so one of our rules when we're doing the comedy advertising is we never sh like show bagels, we never show the actual product. Um, so you know, you can watch all of them. The, the most of a bagel shows up is probably just like one that's not even prepared properly, getting thrown at someone. But <laughs> other than that, we don't show the product. That gets shown in like the photography and stuff. Uh, in the sketches, it's always about uh, Lara, who runs the business. Um, she uh, she's a personality already, but she kind of plays like a character version of herself um, called Mama Bros, and that's become like a character. Um, and now it's kind of you know we've got to the weird stage where we show up, and I have to like talk talk about her character with a different name <laughs> to, to her with her name because we're like, oh, Mama Bros would do this. Um, so uh yeah and and it's uh it's worked to such a degree that um people were coming up and asking for autographs uh during the fringe when they saw her wow. uh, she was just working and you know uh, overseeing the staff and one of her fringe uh she set up a bunch of fringe boxes um to sell wheels uh and i was there to film another sketch and people were going wait your mama bros and they're coming up and signing things and uh we even had, uh, we're filming another one in front of the St. James Center more recently, and um, a Deliveroo guy stopped his bike, and he was like, oh, are you, uh, are you doing deliveries? She's like, oh, not yet, but we will do soon. And he went, okay, thanks, Mama Bros, and he cycled away. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know him? She said, no. Nah. <laughs> like, oh, right, okay. So it's kind of celebritized her as well. Um, and uh, we've discussed it before. She said it's ironic because she's, you know, trying trying in the comedy circuit before to get to that stage uh and then moving into the bagel thing was was more like ah you know what, i'm gonna try something else and then somehow running a bagel shop made her more of a celebrity <laughs> than than just doing the stand-up but you've been you've been doing these for you said three years now i mean that that's quite an unusual to run a um a sort of campaign that long um, yeah so it's clearly like you say sort of hitting with with the audience they're looking for how do you go about putting these together um is it a collaborative writing process how's that all work i guess we didn't call it a campaign when we started this thing it's kind of like you know the uh the thing these days is social media is all about short and sweet so it was more about like we need constant content like a lot of stuff is about the actual bagels and things but she wanted to have this you know sort of people get excited about the next sketch coming out and if it's coming out monthly then it's frequent enough for them to be aware that it's like you know there's another one coming um but yeah it's a collaborative pro process so it's um obviously uh lara who's the, oversees it um there's a writer called pierre McAllister. uh he's he's a comedian as well um he's quite big in the comedy circuit in terms of writing as well he writes plays sometimes and things like that writing sort of like his his game um so those two have been best friends forever so he's he knows her really well so he tends to 
put together a sort of pitch script and then the three of us go over uh, the jokes together, um, fine tune a few things. And then more often than not these days, um, he'll go, look, I've written you his three pages. He's like, just do what you want. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll show up and then we'll, um, sometimes we'll do a bit of rewriting on, on set because we're, because they're quite frequent. We, we just kind of roll with it as we go. So, um, we're not always, uh, super pedantic with the polishing or anything like that. We'll, we'll be on set sometimes just scoring out lines and writing new lines. Right. Uh, and sometimes we'll come up with a joke such as we're filming. Um, so there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of flexibility in the way we approach it. Um, and it's just cause we do it so often, uh, and all of us are quite busy people. So we, um, we try and, uh, we try and keep it flexible so we can come up with the jokes on the spot and stuff like that. But I think we've got into a rhythm now where we kind of know what works and what doesn't. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's the, the sort of team behind it, I guess. Yeah. It seems like that's been a really successful way of using comedy. Are they going to continue doing it that way? Do you think, or is, is there an end in sight for Mama Bros? It's one of those, it's just going to go until it's <laughs> until, uh, until my career booms enough. <laughs> Go make films. <laughs> that's 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 the plan. Um, we're just going to keep making it until, um, yeah, until so- something changes that makes it not possible to continue anymore. But for now, it's just it, I think we've we've just got a formula that works, and I quite I quite like making them. It's quite enjoyable. It's a bit of a, a breeze because I'm so used to it, and, and uh, it just seems everyone I talk to knows what they are. So it, it's kind of a good. Um, icebreaker when talking to people who don't know me yet if especially if they're local to Edinburgh um but uh yeah uh it's just it will it will continue for now for the foreseeable future um and we'll we'll see how it goes but um I mean when she started she had two stores um she now has six so um it's definitely worked in in her favor as well as the bagels being great um (laughs) But yeah, it's uh, and that was over the, the course of you know three years, so that's quite a rapid expansion for a, a small business. Yeah, very quick. Um, so yeah, and it's they've just opened a, another store in Brighton, and they're looking at uh, London soon as well. So just to finish, then uh, Charlie, thanks for talking to us. But I know that you have a Kickstarter project running. Yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so this is actually quite quite different from what we've been talking about. It's not necessarily um. A comedy film um we've used comedy in all of our um advertising for it because as i say if if um you make something too serious i don't think people connect with you as much and think you take yourselves too too seriously um so you took it to heart you used comedy to sell your own your own product yeah yeah um it's definitely my strength and i just wanted to use what what my strength was to to get people on board with us uh and it's it's worked to a great extent we got a lot of um youtube activity through it um it's called chaos rising um it's a project that i uh am co-directing with jack fox um we were brought on board by uh clan reynold um they're like a uh a big group of basically vikings um who live in sterling they they have a fort over there um they have a fort yeah they have a 12th century medieval fort in uh, the edge of sterling it's like a big palisade walls uh, wow. called the Duncaran Medieval Village. Um, it's used for like, uh, it was the set for the recent Outlander series and such like. So it gets used as a set all the time because uh, it's it's literally built the way you would build a, a 12th century uh, medieval village. 
Uh, so we filmed the the actual film itself there as well. Um, the Kickstarter is is done and succeeded. Um, thankfully, we've actually made the film. We're um, in post production. We're going to release it this year. Well, congratulations on finishing it, man. That's a thank you. Thank that's you. a big deal. It, yeah, it's been a it's been a long ride. Um, it's been a hard ride, I'd say, just because we've we stupidly set the film at night. So <laughs> there's a lot of long nights out in the forest, just standing in the rain, just like why didn't we base this during the day in the Caribbean or something? <laughs> It'd be so much better. Um, but yeah, we're pretty proud of it. We've got uh, obviously behind the scenes, we've got a film that that exists now, and we've watched it, and we're happy with it. Um, we're just doing all the usual tweaks, the VFX and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that sh- that should be out later this year, hopefully, sort of midsummer. Um, it's a Warhammer fan film, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. So it's in- well, it's inspired by uh, Warhammer. We're not necessarily calling it a fan film anymore because um, we are uh, being careful with IP and such like. We wanted we wanted to keep it um, original still. So just in case. Um, more of a 40k person myself ah yeah 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 well we went with fantasy because we had a fort full of vikings yeah perfect <laughs> so, location so yeah produ- production value wise it was easier to <laughs> use what <laughs> we had had access to um so yeah it was uh it was quite a big production uh for for an indie for an indie film it's basically 40, 40 45 minutes long so we're treating it like a proof of concept like episode one uh of a three-part series potentially prospectively um yeah with the hope of um pitching it to the uh to some of the sort of bigger production studios involved uh with warhammer so there's there's a sort of goal in mind but the film itself will come out on youtube it'll be completely free to watch uh because that's what we promised in kickstarter um and we've got we've got like seventeen thousand subscribers on our youtube just from the pitch um so we're pretty confident it'll it'll do well once it's out because the um the the brand of Warhammer, the brand of like tabletop gaming is huge. It's, it's yeah, um, as big as it's ever been right now. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, it's a nerd film for nerds <laughs> and we, <laughs> and we, the makers are nerds too. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's something that, um, I think there's not, there's not a great deal of yet, but I feel like we're on the cusp of an explosion of this kind of, uh, stuff coming out. Um, you know things like The Witcher on Netflix, for example, is has proven to Netflix that it is bankable, and and I think that's like the first time that's sort of happened in the past. Like video game book adaptations of that genre don't necessarily always work, um, so it's been a long sort of ignored side of sort of um, I guess fan fiction is the category you'd call it for now. Um, that hasn't been explored as deeply as it could have and hasn't been banked upon by uh, major pr- production companies and studios. Uh, but that is, that is all about change, I think. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're, we're hoping to sort of almost throw a hat in the ring and go, look what we can do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with a little luck, they, they agree. Thanks, Charlie, for talking to us today. If people want to reach out to you, where can they find you? So I have a director's website. And it's simply uh, mrparkerpictures.com. Thanks very much for listening to The Loudmouth. If you've enjoyed this episode, then why not subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice? You can find out more about us on the web at loudmouthfilms.com, and you can find us on Instagram at We Are Loudmouth. 
We'll be back next month with another dose of creativity.